Welcome to Your Change, a broadcast aimed at revealing grace and empowering transformation. Through the revelation of God's undeserved, unearned and unmerited favour, we are committed to helping you make better changes in life for life. Let's get into the Word of God this morning. I'm super excited because today we are starting a new teaching series. And normally I tend not to give the closing dates for the series because we want to flow with the Spirit. Wherever the Spirit is going to lead us, that's where we would take it up to. And today I want to introduce a new teaching series which we have titled Contending for the Opportunity. Somebody say Contending for the Opportunity. Yeah, just turn to somebody who's next to you and just say to them, Contending for the Opportunity. I'm sure you remember that this year, it is a year of opportunity. So everything that we are doing in this year, you know, our spiritual emphasis is on this one big word, opportunity. And when you go to the book of Ephesians chapter number five, uh, you'll find that the scripture says, make the most of the opportunity or make the most of the times. The popular translation, it says, redeeming the time for the days are evil. What a timely word, especially for us. Given the context of the pandemic, it is important that we make the most of the times. And I sense the Spirit of God leading us to this particular word that is also part of our yearly theme. Amen. Our, our yearly spiritual emphasis. So over the coming few weeks, we're going to be dealing with this theme, contending for the opportunity. And uh, in a nutshell, we are going to be dealing with what I call anti-voices. We're going to be dealing with anti-voices. Anti-voices anti simply means opposing voices. So there are voices that will come and oppose you from making the most of the times. There are voices that are going to be, or that you have been hearing from people, and most of the voices are voices that you've been hearing in your ears. Nobody's saying them, but you're hearing voices and you are responding to those voices. And I want to build up to those who are here for our, uh, on our big Sunday, I want to build up from one particular line that I shared where I said, in life, we follow voices. Talk to me, church. Talk to me, church. In life, we follow voices. So it becomes very important to be able to distinguish voices because it's not every voice that is speaking into your life that you have to follow. Right. It's not every voice in life that is directed to you that you have to follow. So today I'm going to deal with part number one. In part number one, I'm going to focus so much on what I'm calling the anti-change voices. Anti-change voices. They're, they're, that's the British way they pronounce it. Is the, the, the American will say anti-change. Yeah, anti-change voices. I'm simply talking about voices that oppose change. Voices that oppose opportunity of change in your life. So let's turn to the book uh, of Mark. Let's turn to the Bible in the book of Mark. Chapter number 10, verse number 46 to verse number 52. Mark chapter number 10, verse number 46 to verse number 52. And I'm going to read, I can't remember Emmanuel, if I gave you the New Living Translation or I gave you the NLT. Let, let, let's go, let's use the New Living Translation. Mark chapter number 10. 
Glory be to God. And I'm, uh, if you've got your notebook, I really want you to take some notes and take advantage of uh, what we are going to be sharing in the house so that when you go home, you've got a place to refer to and also to reflect upon. And I'm going to read from the New Living uh, Translation from verse number six, a very popular story of a man called Batmas. Right, most of us, we know him as Batmas. But can I just put a disclaimer? His name is not Batmas. We don't know his name. Batmas, it simply means son of Timas. Ba means son. Then Timas is the name of the father. So Batmas, it simply means son of Timas. Are we together there? I always want to fuse preaching and teaching so that you, 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 you understand as you're reading. So the verse number 46 says, Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar to things there. He was not only blind, but he was also a beggar. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, in brackets, Sam of Timaeus, was sitting beside the rod. Verse number 47. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Verse number 48. Be quiet. Many people yelled at him. Parents, are we in the house? Most of parents were experts in yelling at our kids. Be quiet. Many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder. The other version it says, he shouted all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. Tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up. Remember, it's the same voices that were yelling at him and saying, be quiet. But when Jesus stopped and called him, the same voices changed the song. And now they said, cheer up. Come on, he's calling you. Verse number 50, but mess threw aside his coat jumped up and came to Jesus. Verse 51. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, that is my teacher. That's the word. Rabbi, it means teacher or rabboni. Teacher, the blind man said, I want to see. Teacher, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, verse 52, Go, for your faith has healed you. Jesus did not even say, receive your sight. He started by saying, go. Your faith has done the job. Go, your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see. And he followed Jesus down the road. May God bless the reading 
of his word. So when we come to this passage of the scripture, we see Jesus coming to Jericho. And I want to picture myself in that high street. Now, Jesus, by this time, he was now a crowd puller. Wherever he went, he was followed by large crowds. And as he came to this particular place where we see this man identified as son of Timaeus, he was sitting by the roadside. I want to believe that he was sitting at a place where, it was, where there was busy traffic. Perhaps, if I'm to use our language or the language of our times, he was sitting in the high street. And as Jesus was passing by, and with a large crowd following Jesus, I want to picture or just imagine a busy street with so much noise going on because of excitement. Because I want to believe that the news about Jesus was spreading quite so fast. And those who had never had an opportunity to see this man called Jesus, they were running to the street just to see him. And others who had heard that this man can open the eyes of the blind, those who had heard that this man can heal the sick, despite the kind or the type of sickness. You know, I want to believe people that were running and calling and, uh, and carrying their loved ones who were sick, trying to find an opportunity to get closer to this man called Jesus, so that their beloved ones who were sick can become healed. So I can imagine a busy time a busy high street with so many people shouting, so many people screaming, such that perhaps it was impossible to hear each other so well because of the excitement. Just imagine when some of the most powerful people in the world, when they come to our cities and they never announce they're coming, and uh, as soon as they are in the high street, you know, the news begins to spread so fast and gatherings they begin to increase in number and I want to believe that this is what is happening in this passage of the scripture and uh, while all this is happening the Bible presents to us a man who was not only blind but a man who was blind but also a beggar am I talking to somebody in the house not only was he blind, but he was also sitting, begging there. So which means that his welfare was dependent on the people that are passing in the street. Right, that, because that was, his, that was his normal life. And I want to believe that if he had family, perhaps the family accompanied him to his usual spot so that people can come in and give him something for his welfare. So the Bible presents to us a man who has a problem. But as the Bible is presenting us to us a man who has a problem, we are also told of the arrival of a man in the same place. The man called Jesus. Let's leave the beggar on the side, the blind man. Let's talk about this man who has come into Jericho, who is uh, drawing the attention of everyone 
who is in the city. I like this man so much. Why am I saying so? Because verse number 7 it says, When Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby. When he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby. I want to believe that this beggar, inasmuch as he was a blind man, but he was able to hear. Can I repeat that? Inasmuch as he was blind, he could not see, but he was able to hear that there is a man called Jesus who is nearby. And I want to believe that perhaps this man had also had an opportunity here that this man called Jesus can open the eyes of the blind. I want to believe that he, somebody must have told him that this man called Jesus who is in the city, this man opens the eyes of the blind. Whether he had it on the day or he had it before, it doesn't matter. What matters the most is that he had about Jesus who can open the eyes of the blind. Why am I focusing so much on the man called Jesus? It is simply because the presence of Jesus in Jericho presented an opportunity for change. The presence of Jesus in this place, it presented an opportunity for change. Somebody say, the presence of Jesus presents opportunities for change. So I want to believe that this man as he was sitting there, when he heard that Jesus was in the city, well, there was so much noise going on in the city, but this man realized that there is an opportunity for my situation to change. Why? Because the presence of Jesus presents opportunities for change. It's the nature of our Savior. But wherever he goes, he presents opportunities for change. I remember the other time he went to the wedding at Cana. Just his presence at the wedding of Cana presented an opportunity for change. Because this young man who was getting wedded, he was in trouble. How could you prepare a wedding and run short of drinks? I didn't want to use the word wine because I know some of you take advantage of that. And say, Pastor said there, Jesus turned water into wine, so let's go for 73% alcohol. That's what I'm saying. It was just a common drink. So wherever Jesus went, his presence presented opportunities for what? For change. That's why when he went to the wedding at Cana, his presence presented opportunities for what? For change. I remember the other time he went into a synagogue. And the Bible says there was a man who had a withered hand. And his presence in the synagogue, even though he wasn't on the program to preach and to teach, in the synagogue, but just his presence in the synagogue presented an opportunity for change to the man who had a withered hand. Remember the other time you went to a place called Bethsaida, at the pool of Bethsaida, 
a man who was there for 38 good years. A situation that nobody could change. But the presence of Jesus at the pool of Bethsaida presented an opportunity for change to this man. And I want you to understand, child of God, that for you as a New Testament believer, we don't have Jesus in his physical nature here in, at St. Paul's in this auditorium. But Jesus lives in us by his spirit. I want you to follow me. Jesus lives in us by his spirit. So which means for you and I as the New Testament believers, it is the presence of the spirit that presents opportunities for change. So that means wherever the spirit of God is at, there are opportunities for change. It's the nature of the spirit of God to provide opportunities for change. And there is no situation that the spirit of God cannot present opportunities for change. Because the very first time we are introduced to the spirit in the Bible, it's in the book of Genesis. The Bible says, and the world was chaotic. It was void and without shape. And the Spirit of the Lord was hovering upon the waters. The Spirit of the Lord was hovering upon the waters. The role of the Spirit in creation was to give strength to the words of the Father. So when God spoke, the Spirit was hovering upon the waters cause the words to manifest and become a reality. Why? Because the presence of God presents opportunities for change. A world that was chaotic turned to become an orderly world that revealed the excellency of God, that revealed the creative power and the nature of our God is the presence of God. So in the New Testament times, where the people in the first century had the presence of Jesus in a physical manner, the New Testament believer, we have the Spirit of God. Both are the same. That's why Jesus says, when I go, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, but I'm going to send another. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to send someone of the same kind as me. When he comes, He's going to carry on and do what I do. So that's why I'm saying to you, child of God, the presence of the Spirit of God presents opportunities for change. And this man, he heard that an opportunity for change is nearby. And the Bible says, he began to cry out. He began to what? He began to cry out, I like this man so much because he did not wait for the opportunity to come right where he was seated. I'm not talking to somebody this morning. Please just bear with me. I'm kind of like preaching as a revenge of my sickness. So the Bible says he began to what? He began to cry. It's not the cry of a baby. But this is a cry of someone who is calling forth for attention. And it's a cry of making a connection. That as loud as I'm going to be crying, 
I don't want to be a nuisance to people, but I want to call the attention of the one who brings opportunity for change. Am I talking to somebody in the house this morning? And the Bible says, and he began to shout all the more. Can I speak to you a little bit there? This man took the first move. Can I repeat that? This man took the first move. In other words, he, he initiated the first move. Jesus was moving by. He was nearby. But this man, this man, when he realized that there was an opportunity for change in his life, what did he do? He took the first move. He did not wait for Jesus to come to his corner. He did not wait for somebody to say, you know what, you, you need to do something. He took the first move. Brothers and sisters, when it comes to contending for the opportunity, you don't have to wait for the opportunity to really come where you are. You've got to be willing to make the first move. You've got to be willing to establish the initial move in the direction of the opportunity. That's what Bartimaeus did. He cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy of me. Remember, this man was blind. In other words, he was disadvantaged. Do you agree? Remember, this man was what? He was blind. He was also a beggar. In other words, he was disadvantaged. But what I like so much about this man, he did not allow one area in his life where he's disadvantaged to appear as though everything about his life is a disadvantage. Let me just allow it to sink in. This man was blind, but he wasn't deaf. This man was blind, but he wasn't dumb. Imagine with somebody this morning. He did not allow one area where he was disadvantaged to shadow everything about his life to the point that it ends up appearing as though everything about his life is a disadvantage. Can I talk to you this morning? You know, there are some times that we treat ourselves we define ourselves based on one area that we are incap incapacitated. The fact that Bartimaeus was blind did not mean that his entire life was disadvantaged. He was blind, but at least he could hear that Jesus was in the city. He was blind, but he was able to shout, to cry, to use his voice to make the connection. Am I talking to somebody in the house this morning? Where the sense of sight disadvantaged him, the sense of hearing did not disadvantage him. I took it to the church this morning. Where the sense of sight disadvantaged him, the sense of hearing did not disadvantage him. He was able to hear that Jesus Christ was in the city. The fact that one specific area of your life isn't working it doesn't mean that nothing works in your life. Yeah. The fact that this small little corner of your life is not working right now, it doesn't mean that nothing works in your life. No, no, no. The fact that you are blind does not mean that you are totally disadvantaged. And I like this man because he, he did not dwell on his weakness. 
but he decided to take advantage of his area of strength. So where his sight was an area of disadvantage, but his hearing was an area of advantage. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. Don't waste your time focusing so much on the area of your weaknesses at the expense of the areas of your strength. If you are blind, it doesn't mean that you are dumb. If you are blind, it doesn't mean that you can't hear. If you are blind, it doesn't mean that you cannot speak. Use what is the area of your strength. That which is an area of your strength, use it to your advantage. But Miles did not wait for people to sympathize with him and say, oh, you're a blind man. You're a blind man. So you know what? Just wait here. We're going to sort out. We're going to, we're going to try and talk to the disciples. I know one of the disciples, you know, I grew up with him. We went to school together. Don't worry. He might pass by today. But you know what? I've got connections. I've got connections. I can link you. No, he did not wait for that. He decided to use his area of strength. What was his area of strength? His hearing was his area of strength. As a matter of fact, the Bible says faith comes. Talk to me, church. Faith comes by what? It comes by hearing. So you might be disadvantaged in your vision, but you are not disadvantaged in the area of your hearing. Am I doing it to somebody in the house this morning? So stop looking for people to sympathize with you on the area of your weakness. When there are so many areas of strength in your life, work on the areas of your strength. Build on the areas of your strength. Your change is in the area of your strength, not the area of your weaknesses. So if you're going to define your life and allow yourself to revolve around the area of your weakness, your situation is not going to change, even though an opportunity for change has presented itself before you. It's about the area of your strength. Don't let your weakness cause you to abandon your area of strength. Naturally in life, we tend to move in the direction of our weaknesses. And we want people to sympathize with us and tilt their heads on the side and, and be understanding that, but mess, you can't see. But you know very well that you've got specific areas of strength. You know very well for yourself that there are things that you are good at. You know very well that there are things that are working in your life. So don't shadow your life. Don't cover your life completely with weakness, one weakness at the expense of so many things that are good, that are working in your life, which when you begin to use them, they will work to your advantage. You are not disadvantaged because of one area. Can I repeat that? I said your, your entire life is not disadvantaged simply because one area is not working. One area of your weakness is not the sum total of your life. It's just a part of your life. Just think about it even in, in general life. You know, people that have been so successful, when you look at them, they've got areas of weakness. But they chose not to master, to become masters of areas of their weakness. They chose to capitalize on the areas of their strength. So if you can't see, use your hearing to your advantage. If you cannot see, use your mouth to your advantage. If you cannot see, use your hands to your advantage. If you cannot see, use your legs to your advantage. What are you good at? What is working in your life? Use it to your advantage. Am I talking to the church this morning? And the man came out and he started to cry, Son of David, have mercy on me. You know, when it comes to contending for the opportunity, don't live in denial. 
This man came and he cried, son of David, see on me. So in other words, he realized that he's got a need that needs somebody to meet it. Am I talking to the church this morning? He acknowledged that he has a need. So in other words, this man was not living in denial. You know, there are people who've got problems, but they live in denial. They don't want to acknowledge that they're blind. And they want to move around and appear as though they can see. When they cannot what? When they cannot see. You cannot be held, helped if you are living in denial. If you need help, acknowledge Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You know, sometimes people, they, they, they can't help you because they think you're okay. Because you are presenting yourself as somebody who is what? Who is okay. When you are not okay, it's not lack of faith. Faith starts by accepting the reality. That's the first level. You know, sometimes the Christian faith, we, 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 we jump in and we use faith the wrong way. Yeah. Before you jump in and you say, I am not sick, when you are sick, when you, you, I know what you're talking about. You'll be using your faith language. That you know what? I'm not sick when you are when you are when you're sick. The first stage before you do that is to acknowledge that I'm not well. And then you begin to speak life to your situation. You don't start by speaking life to your situation without acknowledging that things are bad. You might to the church this morning. Even the word of God declared that the world was void. That was the reality on the ground. It was shapeless. There was no order. Am I talking to the church this morning? It's acknowledging the reality. And then faith started to kick in. God began to speak, let there be. But before God said, let there be, there was the acknowledgement of the reality. The world is void. It's shapeless. Don't live in denial. Acknowledge where you are. Don't live in deception. But may us acknowledge that I have a weakness that needs someone to come in and to help. Let me move to verse number 48. Then the Bible says, Then many warned him to be quiet. That's verse number 48. Many, when he shouted and said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The Bible says in verse number 48, Then many people warned him to be quiet. Let, let, me, let me read it from the NLT. Verse number 48. They said, be quiet. Many of the people yelled at him. Now, different translations, they, they, they use the word to yell. Others, they use the word, they rebuked him. Other translations, they say, they charged him. Another translation says, they scolded him. Can you see that there's no kindness in this, in, in what's going on here? They yelled at him. They scolded him. They charged him. They rebuked him. I, I, I'm not sensing any, any, any sympathy here. But it's people that are saying, you know what? You're a nuisance here. Keep quiet. That is what, what's going on in this passage of scripture. This man has got a need. And the people that are silencing him, they cannot even offer help to him. Have you ever noticed in life that people who try to silence you, they don't have anything to offer to you to change your situation? They just want you to what? Be quiet. Yeah. 
they don't care about your situation maybe because they've become so used to your situation to the point that they don't care about change in your life. They have no vision for your change. So when you begin to cry for change, you become a nuisance to them. When you begin to pray, you become a nuisance to them. They want to shut you down. They want to quiet you. They want to silence your voice. And I want you to be careful in your life. Pay attention to the voices that are trying to silence you. You might join the church this morning. Pay attention to the voices that are trying to silence you. This man wasn't asking these people to help him. He was asking Jesus. Yeah? This man wasn't asking the crowd to help him. He was asking Jesus. That's why he was very specific. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So the person who had the right to respond is the person who is being called. Yet, it's the crowd that are giving a different response. And you know what? So many people in our lives, they have stopped asking for help to the right people because other people in the vicinity have asked them to keep quiet. Thank you, you're embarrassing us. Perhaps the people around there, maybe relatives, are saying, you know what, you're embarrassing us. Can you imagine? This is a high street. This is a prominent man who is in the city. They look at you, you're a blind man, you're a beggar. What is it that you're lacking that we're not giving you? And they're trying to what? Trying to silence him. They're trying to make him keep quiet. And this is where I want you and I to pay so much attention. Because when it comes to contending for the opportunity, I want you to understand that anti-change voices they work by a system of suppressing and shutting down every expression of faith. That's how they work. Every voice that opposes change in your life, how does it work? It works by a system of suppressing and shutting down every expression of faith. Now for this man, the shouting was an expression of faith. His shouting was the way in which he expressed his confidence that if only this man can hear me, he's going to change my story. So his shouting was an expression of what? Of faith. But anti-change voices, they work by a system of trying to suppress, to subdue your voice so that you don't establish a connection with the one who can change your story. What voices have been suppressing you? Tell me, what, what, what voices have been suppressing you from expressing your faith? You, you want to pray, but you begin to hear a voice that is suppressing you, that is saying, shh. You, you, you want to do more for God, even the house of God, but there's a voice going on in your head that is saying, shh. You want to be seen. That's why, you, that's why you want to do what you want to do in the house. You know, these are anti-change voices. They don't want you to move in the direction of your master. They begin to speak so loud into your ears and say, shh, all they're trying to do is to suppress and to silence you. And I'm here to say to the church of the living God, it's time for a believer to contend for the opportunity. It's time for the church of God to contend for the opportunity. And when these voices start to speak to you, they, you know they've got a spirit of entitlement. 
they feel like because you are a bigger, we have been giving you money, so we have a right to speak to you. Have you ever been in a situation where people help you and they feel like they have to tell you everything about life? Simply because they what? They helped you. Yeah. I don't know, the young couples are saying, especially at weddings. I don't know, I don't know about that one. I'm 15, I'm, I'm, we are 15 years in marriage, so some of the things we've forgotten about them. But I think it's a reality. Yeah. People help you, they, they hire a car for you, they buy a cake for you, and then after that, they feel they're entitled to tell you about how to run your marriage. You've got to be careful about the voices that are speaking into your life. Because it's not every voice that is trying to build you. Some voices are there just to shut you down so that you don't make a connection with your season of opportunity. They might talk to the church this morning. You know, there are some things that you just need to settle in life. That your moment of change is not going to be encouraged and celebrated by many people. I repeat that. You've got to know this, that your moment of change is not going to be celebrated by everyone. It's not everyone who is happy to see you prosper. Yeah? It's not everyone who wants to see you do well. Even in the church. It's not everyone who wants to see you becoming better in your singing. It's not everyone who wants to see you do better in your ushering. There are some people that just feel like, you know what, you, you, you can't upgrade yourself. And you don't have to upgrade yourself. When you do that, they feel like, you know, you, you go back. They push you and they say, you know what, go back. We are used to you just be there and just being quiet, doing nothing. And the moment you start to make a move, they are not happy. I don't know, I don't know where that spirit comes from. And we rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Come to verse number 40. The Bible says, The many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more. <laughs> That's where I like it so much. This is where the contending for the opportunity comes in. He cried out the more. What does it mean? It means that when two voices came and they said, Keep quiet, keep quiet. For him, I think he doubled it. Son of David, have mercy. Son of David, have mercy. Son of David, have mercy. So the more they tried to silence him, the more he cried out the louder. So in other words, he was increasing the volume. I, I don't know where you come from. Me, I come from Zimbabwe. There's, 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 there's a popular phrase that people tend to use. They say, increase the volume. You know, you, know, you, know, you, you, ty you type something that people like so much on WhatsApp. Let me, let me, let me educate Elder. So Elder, what's happening on Facebook? <laughs> so on Facebook nowadays, when people write something that they connect with so much, they say increase the volume. Yeah. Yeah, more, more vo they say more volume. More volume. So I, I'm seeing this man. This is exactly what he's, what he's doing. The more people try to silence him, the more he was increasing the volume. Can I speak to you, child of God? The more people try to silence you, increase the volume. The more people try to say, you know what, I know, we, we know they're doing it for, uh, they've got a hidden agenda. You increase the volume, do all the more. Save God all the more. Pray all the more. Read the word of God all the more. The more they talk, you increase the volume. Just know that for the portion that they're able to do times two, you are able to do times four. 
Yeah? I want you to allow that to sink in you. Whatever the opposing voices can do at level number two, you, you are able to push things up to level number four. When they come to level number four, you've got the ability to push to, eight, to level number eight. When they push it to level number eight, you push it to level number 32. Why? Because you've, you, you've got an inbuilt ability to always operate above them. That's why the scripture says you shall never be behind. You shall never be beneath. Why? It's the nature of the children of God to always operate above their enemies. So the more the voices are trying to silence you, you increase the volume, more volume, more volume, more volume, more volume. He cried out all the more, son of David, come in and have mercy on me. Can I read verse number 51 again as well? And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked, and the man replied, master, I want to see. Somebody say, I want to see. Somebody say, I want to see. This is now but mass contending for the opportunity. There is an opportunity for change, but they are opposing voices, anti-change voices. They are beginning to speak to him. Keep quiet. They are yelling at him. They are scolding him. They are rebuking him to keep quiet. But what does men do? He began to contend. So in other words, to contend, it means putting the effort necessary to carry on the fight. That's contending. You are putting on the effort necessary to keep on what? To keep on fighting. It's endlessly fighting for your opportunity. Am I talking to the church this morning? He's contending. He's contending. When you study this word, in, 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 especially from the Greek uh, background, you know, it paints a picture of wrestlers, people that are in a battle, in a, in a boxing, yeah, that are fighting and, you know, and they've been put in a corner and you do whatever it takes you know, to, to fight back. You are doing whatever it takes you know, to fight back. That's contending. You are earnestly fighting for your belt. You are earnestly fighting for your position, for your opportunity. That's exactly what Bartimaeus was doing. People are trying to silence him. And he says, no ways. I'm not going to allow the yelling, the rebuke, and the scolding to stop me from shouting, from expressing my faith. I'm not going to allow any voice. And I'm saying to the church of the living God today, contend for the opportunity. The presence of Jesus in the city presented opportunity for change. Yet what stood between this man and his opportunity for change? Anti voices. Can I repeat that? What oftentimes stands between you and the change that you want to see are anti voices, opposing voices. There are voices that are just trying to silence you. There are voices that are trying to discourage you. So you need to pay attention to the voices that are going on between where you are and the change that you want to experience in your life. Come in and contend for the opportunity. What I like about Bartimaeus is because this man was able to contend for the opportunity because he knew what he wanted. But Mass knew what he wanted. That's why even when Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? I've heard your crying. I've heard your shouting. What is it that you want? But Mass knew what he wanted. And he answered, I want to see. Not only did he knew what he wanted, he knew how much he wanted it. Oh, I'm excited about you. 
He knew what he wanted and he knew how much he wanted it. That's why he did not allow anyone to talk him down. He did not allow anyone to silence him because he knew what he wanted and how much he wanted it. Not only that, but he also knew where to get it. Can I talk to you this morning? How much do you want it? How much do you want the change you are believing God for? Because if you really want it, you've got to know how much you want it. And you've got to know where to get it. If the people that are silencing me don't have what I want, I'm not going to allow them to silence me. Because after them silencing me, they are not going to give me what I want. So Patmaius knew exactly what he wanted. He knew how much he wanted it. And he refused anything to stand in the way. He was desperate for change in his life. Listen to me, church of the living God. Desperate people do not give opposing voices the license to silence their faith. Desperate people, they don't give opposing voices the license to silence their faith. It's you who's going to give them. It's you who's going to allow them. The other time, Moses sent out the spies to go and spy the land of, of Canaan. And when they came back, ten spies came back with a different voice. Anti-change. Only two men were able to stand up and say, no, we, we are not going to allow these ten people. Yes, we are outnumbered, but we are not going to allow because they knew what they wanted and how much they wanted it. And they did not give the license to the ten to silence their faith. They stood up and says, no, we can take this land. No, we are well able to take this land. With God on our side, we can take this land. They did not allow anything to silence their faith. Child of the living God, don't allow anti-change voices to silence your faith. Why is that important? Because there is no miracle that Jesus did outside an environment of faith. Everyone that Jesus healed, he healed them as a result of what? Of faith. So if the enemy is going to shut down your faith, he's going to shut down the opportunity for change. Any voice that can silence your faith, any voice that can suppress the expression of your faith is going to deprive you of your opportunity. I'm saying to you as a New Testament believer, end for your faith. Desperate people refuse to have their expression of faith be shut down by opposing voices. One day there was a woman who had an issue of blood. And I want to believe that there were so many voices that were speaking into your head, internal voices. They're saying to you, you know what, you are sick. There are too many crowds. There's no way you can push the crowds and get to Jesus. Remember, you are a woman in a, in, 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 in a culture that is predominantly uh, patriarchic. That is male-dominated. So according to our customs and manners, you cannot get closer to a man. Those are the voices that were going on in your head. But a desperate woman was contending for her opportunity for change. She was able to push everything aside. Because she knew what she wanted and how much she wanted it. Where it demanded you to crawl. She said, I'm going to crawl until I touch the hem of his garment. 
Why? Because I know what I want and I know how much I want it. She did not wait for people to sympathize for her. She did not wait for people to make extra connections later on. No, she knew what she wanted and how much she wanted it and where to get it. The other time there was a man who had his four friends. This man was paralyzed. But the four friends knew what they wanted and how much they wanted to see change in their friend. And they knew where to get the change from. And the Bible says they took him on a stranger and they went to the room where Jesus was and they could not find access to the normal door. But because they knew what they wanted, how much they wanted it and where to get it, they had to devise a way of going up the roof and break the roof just for them to get to their opportunity for change. And I'm asking you this morning, how much do you want it? I want you to ask yourself, the change that you're crying for, how much do you want it? How much do you want it? If you want it, you will become even like the four lepers. They had a disadvantage. They could not move in the direction of the city. Because culturally, they were, they were not allowed to get in the city. But because they were desperate for change, they said, you know what? We are disadvantaged in one area, but we are not disadvantaged in every area of our lives. Let's use the power of our voices. And they began to speak to one another. If we sit here, we're going to die. We might as well rise up and go. They knew what they wanted. And they knew how much they wanted it. And it was a result of that that they were able to rise up and make a move in the right direction. They did not wait for the change to come right where they were sitting, but they initiated the first move. And I'm asking you this morning, I know what you want, but how much do you want it? And I know how much you want it because you're going to make a move. You're not going to remain seated where you are, but you're going to rise up in your faith and you're going to tell yourself, I'm going to do whatever it's going to take for me to get what I want because I know what I want and I know how much I want it. And for some of you, what you really want is you want your children back. You know that your children, things are not alright. But I'm asking you, how much do you want your children back? How desperate are you? But Maeus was so desperate for change. He was so desperate. You know, there are so many examples that we can pull in the scripture. I remember Zacchaeus at one time, he wanted to see Jesus. He was desperate. He, he did not allow his social status to, to, to deprive him from seeing Jesus. And he was willing to do anything that would bring a disgrace to his name and his status in the community. And he says, Lord, if, it, if it's going to take me to climb into the tree, I'm going to do it. What I want is I want to see this man. And I'm asking you this morning, what is it that you want? And how much do you want? What you want must trigger an attitude in you that makes you say, you know what, I, I, I mean, it's in, enough of where I am. When it comes to contending for the faith, you know, it has to bring you to a place where you say to yourself, I'm tired of where I am. 
I want to believe that Bartimaeus got to that stage where he was now talking to himself. He says, you know, what? I, I, I was born blind. I, I've been a beggar. Everyone knows me. As a matter of fact, the Bible is not even identifying by his name, but by his status. A blind beggar. That's how people know you now. They no longer talk and identify you by your name. They identify you by your situation. And Bartimaeus go to a place where he says, enough of this. I don't want this anymore in my life. There is an opportunity for change in my life. And I'm going to do whatever it takes. Every anti-voice, I'm not going to listen to it. I'm going to shout all the more until the one who can help me calls me and says, come and attend my request. How much do you want it? Some of you, you want to upgrade yourself. You, 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 you want a better life. But nothing is changing because you, 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 you haven't defined well how much you want it. You haven't fully, you haven't fully sat down with yourself and, and have a meeting and say, you know what, this is a, how much we want this. That's why every voice of St. Balad can easily stop you. We're going to be talking about St. Balad next time. Every, 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 what's the name? Tom and Jerry can just come and speak to you and you respond to that voice. You stop doing what is on your heart simply because of one voice. And when that voice speaks into your life, that voice goes and forgets about you. And you, you spend two weeks worrying about what they said and they're not even thinking about what they say to you. And you, you are, you, are, you are meditating day and night, not on the word of God, but on what Tom and Jerry have been speaking to you. I'm here just to provoke you. I want to stay you until you, you, you rise up in your spirit, man, and say, I want this. I've been, I've been, I've been allowing myself to bow down to all these voices. Enough is enough. Jesus is nearby, my opponent. Opportunity for change is here. Why? Because the presence of Jesus presents opportunities. Can we rise on our feet? Can we rise on our feet? I want you to, I want you to pray for yourself. One of the most hardest things in life with the majority of people is being honest with ourselves. You know, the other time I preached about the heart that, you know, it's easy for us to deceive even ourselves. I'm talking to you. It's even easy for ourselves to deceive ourselves because the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can understand it? But this morning, I want you to rise up and I want you to be honest with yourself. And I want you to pray and I want us to break this cycle. I want us to break this cycle. If you have never prayed ever since from the pandemic, I want us to go before the Lord and pray this morning. We want to break the cycle. We want to break the power of anti-change voices in your life. The voices that have been speaking into your head, that have been pushing you back. Some of you, you wanted to buy a house. Up to now, it's still in your diary. You want to buy a house. Every year, it's on your resolution. New Year's reason, January, every January is there, it comes back. How much do you want it? How much do you want it? 
Some of you, you've got relationships that are, that are, that are shaky, that are, big, that, that, that are not stable. My question is, how much do you want it restored? It's going to give you the attitude. Right. I want you to rise on your feet and I want us to pray. I don't know what you want. You know what you want. Be honest with yourself. Identify what you want. And I want you to break every voice. Cancel every voice. Demolish every stronghold of darkness that has been speaking negativity in your life. That has been shutting down your faith. I want you to use the authority that God has given you as a child of God in the authority of the word. Speak against every voice. Silence it. Instead of those voices silencing you, you silence the voices this morning. You silence them. I want you to rise on your feet and, and open your mouth and begin to pray. Thank you for tuning into Your Change, a broadcast aimed at revealing grace and empowering transformation. To interact with us, please visit our website at afmimmiltonkeens.org or follow us at Ebenezer Fellowship AFMIM on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also interact with Pastor Danny on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For easy access, the links are in the description.